Welcome. My name is Ishit Vajrajani. I'm an enterprise strategist with AWS. Today, we are going to talk about rapidly scaling business transformation. In this era of rapid change, the goal of transformation isn't to hit a fixed target but rather to set the foundation that increases business agility. And to dive deeper on this topic, I'm excited to be joined by Rita Fisher, CIO and Executive Vice President of Supply Chain at Reynolds Consumer Products. Rita, welcome. Can you please introduce yourself and uh, tell us a little bit about your role at Reynolds? Thank you, Ishit. I'm very happy to be here with you today. Um, I am responsible for all aspects of strategy and execution for IT and supply chain for Reynolds consumer products. I'm also leading digitize our company vision across our enterprise. I wanna tell you a little bit about Reynolds consumer products. It's a market leader in providing preparation, cooking, cleaning, and storage solutions for your home. We truly inspire to create products people love. I hope you have a lot of our products in your households. I hope you're familiar with Reynolds Wrap, hefty garbage bags, and a lot of private label products that we produce. Our purpose is to simplify daily life so people can enjoy what matters most. For some of you, it's time with your family and friends, and for others, maybe hobbies or special interests. Thank you, Rita, uh, for that background, and uh, thank you for joining us today. Uh, I can tell you from our household, we love our Reynolds product, especially uh, those wraps and hefty bags we cannot live without, uh, and I'm sure many consumers rely on them. So, Rita, you have a very interesting role. You're both uh, a CIO as well as uh, Executive Vice President of Supply Chain. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? I started in Reynolds Consumer Products as a CIO, as a leader of technology for the company. And as I establish um, a digital strategy for our company, it became very clear to me that I have to lead much larger agenda than just technology. And I asked CEO, which um, I was reporting to, if I can take on a much broader role. In my past, um, I've learned supply chain and I've been part of supply chain organizations several times. And I truly um, believe that in order for us to lead a broader agenda, digital agenda for the company, it's so critical that you don't just look over technology, you own the whole thing. And as I took on supply chain, I truly understood all the opportunities and capabilities that this company has been missing that could be fully um, exploited by using technology. And technology became a key driver for improving business metrics and establishing a better foundation and more agile organization that we're in a much better place of managing during the time of COVID and at the time of a true disruption in supply chain now. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, what was the driver? We often see that there is an external factor, a change that becomes a trigger to start the transformation. Uh, walk us through the history of Reynolds a little bit uh, as to why you had to start uh, the change and, and embark on this transformation. Reynolds Consumer Products 
had a burning platform for this type of transformation. I want to take you a little bit to a history. In 2019, RCP, which is what we refer to Reynolds Consumer Products, was a private company held, uh, held by um, a parent company called Rank. At Rank level, we managed all infrastructure, all our systems, and all the IT talent was residing with the parent company. In September of 2019, we decided to go public. IPO really drove our strategy to separating our company and to stand up our own infrastructure, our own applications, and to decide what our destiny would be. I was faced with a choice. There were really two choices. The choice number one is we can copy all the things that parent company has done. And the choice number two would be to create a new modernized core that will become a foundation for the future uh, digitizing our company. It was pretty risky, but we decided we're going to go with a letter. We will build the foundation. Um, and we will set a strategy to become a truly cloud-based company. So parent company had all the data centers on-premise running, and we decided we can go all into cloud. At that time, um, there, was a there was a lot of risk associated with that, but we have partnered with AWS, which became our cloud platform. And that platform will enable us to become truly digital in the future. Excellent. Uh, and so, Rita, that's a massive amount of change going from a privately held company to doing IPO. Uh, but there was a fork in the road, and you had to uh, choose the path. Now, you took the path that uh, was uh, more risk. Uh, but to manage that, what were some of the guiding principles or tenets that you set for this transformation journey? So I believe the best way to lead a journey like this as a leader is to start with principles that help people make decisions. Again, you set a strategy. In our case, we set cloud-only strategy that will house all the infrastructure and all the applications, and then help talent, empower talent, to make decisions. But how do they make decisions? You got to create the principles. So this is where we started with. There were five key principles that, that drove our decisions. The first one, we had to balance between running the business and transforming the business. So at the same time, we had to manage risk. And there were some things we will end up copying. But what we wanted to do is 90% of infrastructure digital services, and our applications, we want to create brand new. We, we didn't want to go into technical death. We didn't want to create the past. We really wanted to create the future. So how would we create the future? We said we're going to move away from a traditional practices, and we're going to go into available services everywhere where it's possible. First, we're going to look at SaaS. Then we're going to look at platform as a service. And if those two are not available, it's infrastructure as a service, which in this case was AWS. And if none of three is possible, 
will keep some very few on-premise services, and that's primarily in our manufacturing facilities. Then um, we were very eager to make sure we support our distributed workforce. And thank you, God, we did it because it was all prior to COVID-19. We said we want to enable people to work anywhere, anytime. Um, and that created an amazing foundation as everybody went to work from home. The principle number four was all about cybersecurity and safety. We wanted to make sure that solutions we create uh, will be safe solutions for our company, for our people, um, and for our products. And the last one, uh, we talked about one of the most critical applications we support, it's SAP. And we made a decision that SAP on AWS will be the foundational platform to enable, modernize our core strategy that will support our financials, our manufacturing, production, logistics, uh, procurement, and all the other processes around the company. Gotcha. And so that is, uh, those were your key principles. Uh, and that's a significant amount of change. Uh, what was the first phase like? What did you decide to do first? So first phase was probably one of my most risky phase. We decided to go live with SAP. Now, a lot of, a lot of people would think that, you know, you start with your smaller, less risky workloads. But in our case, we only have hour and a half to separate from a parent company. And in order for us to deliver enormous amount of separation, we had to stand up everything from scratch. Network, end user computing, hosting, security services, digital services, B2B. We decided we're gonna go with SAP first. SAP, as I said before, delivers the biggest workload for us. It supports all our business functions and supports our supply chain. In order for us to fully separate the company from a financial, as well as from a supply chain components, we had to go live with SAP. So it was primarily driven by the business. And the go live date was also driven by business conditions and not movable. We went live on IPO in February and we set a go live date for uh, SAP separation in April, which is from the time we announced IPL was seven months project. Doing SAP from scratch, as well as hosting it on the AWS platform is not a small task. But we did have all the stakeholders aligned and we did have an incredible talented team uh, with fully empowered support by the company to go live on this critical workload. And that's, a, that's not only a massive amount of change, but it's also very fast. The timeline is just incredible. Uh, and Rita, as you said, uh, often we uh, see customers starting out with uh, lowest risk or low-hanging fruits. Uh, you, on the other hand, decided to take a different approach and, and sort of picked one of your most critical workloads. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what went into uh, deciding SAP versus something else, and how did you actually mitigate and measure the risk? So we started with SAP first. 
Um, there were two elements of SAP start first uh, that came into the decision process. The first one is business requirements. I had to separate supply chain and I had to separate my financials and I had to do it within a certain period of time after we went public. So business conditions drove our SAP separation timeline. But in addition, I knew I had a full alignment of stakeholders and the whole company is focused on getting the IPO done. This would be the best time to dedicate all my resources and stop all the other pro projects to truly um, enable a successful implementation of this. I also had found an amazing partner network that helped me do that. And they gave me a confidence level that it's very possible to do it in seven months. I would say a project like this has a lot of risks and a lot of risks are common. You know, large databases, very complex environment, different priorities, stakeholders can change their priorities from day to day. And if I would have gone with SAP first, the stakeholders were all aligned on IPO and all knew SAP as an IPO enabler. So that helped me. But the one risk I didn't account for, think about this. So you probably all remember when COVID started, when we all found out about COVID and we all had to go work from home, that was middle of March. And my go live was middle of April. So three weeks before go live, we all had to go work from home. I don't know how about any of you, I've never done SAP from home and none of my team did. We were all planning to be co-located like all the other big implementations are. So readjusting the team three weeks before go live and truly Helping myself believe that I can pull this off and convincing the board that we can pull this off was probably one of the biggest risks I had to face. Um, but it's all turned out great. And if I had to do it again, I would do exactly the same thing. Yeah, lead, uh, leadership uh, certainly needs to take a bold action to, to drive transformation. And I think the, the courage uh, is such a critical part of uh, part of that. Now, uh, how did you seek alignment from stakeholders? So you you talked about sort of there was this big goal that everybody in company was behind, which was to make sure that there was successful IPO. Uh, what else did you do to seek uh, alignment from some of your executive peers? So I would say I, I always start with a simple formula. Clarity, talent, and relationships. So clarity is to make sure we're all working on the right things at the right time. And I had no doubt that going with SAP first would be the right step. And I looked at the whole year and a half plan of separating the company and standing up all the infrastructure components sounded solid. Then the next thing is talent. I felt that I built an amazing team internally to support um, our go live. And very important is to build ecosystem. We had an enormous partnerships with Lemongrass, Accenture, and TCS 
to make sure we can take all our workloads live on AWS at the appropriate time. And the last one is relationships. And I don't call it stakeholder alignment, I call it relationship. Because you have to have not only alignment of the C-suite, but they have to trust you that you can pull something like this off. And the way I do it is I think about who's on my team. Is on my team the people that report to me? Is on my team my technical resources? Or the whole company, every single person that's impacted is on my team. And when you step back and think of your leadership as you're leading the whole enterprise through this pretty exciting journey of us becoming a public company, then your C-suite and your partners, they start believing in you and they believe you can take them through the journey. One other important piece that I speak to is education. I had to educate myself. I spent a lot of time with my peers. I spent a lot of time with my Gartner coach, with other coaches, and I had to educate myself. How do I do it in the best possible way? But I also had to educate my peers. I had to educate my C-suite. I had to educate my board as well as my CEO. So, Again, if you engage everybody early, if you ask them to be part of the journey, if you make sure you get an alignment up front, then they will be there with you when critical decisions are required, and they will be with you when support is needed. So Rita, well said, uh, I love your formula about uh, clarity, talent, and then relationships, uh, all three ingredients that are very critical in driving transformation. Can you double click a little bit on the talent piece uh, and driving that education, not only within your executive suite, but also across the team? Uh, how did you do that? So I would say I had to start with figuring out how to put together a team to deliver this amazing uh, agenda. and. I looked at both internal elements of my team. Do I have the right leaders? Do they have the right leadership skills and the right business skills to pull this through? And who are my partners to help us on this journey? I felt that we done a really good job selecting our partnerships. And I wanna talk a little bit about a couple of them, Lemongrass. Lemongrass was the company that helped us stood up AWS environment for our SAP. And they challenged ourselves. They challenged our plans. They brought a lot of new innovative ideas, how to simplify the environment and how to streamline a lot of our processes. Continuously talking about education, they educated my internal team of what great looks like. We also brought Accenture and TCS uh, to help us in the areas where we, we had some talent gaps. TCS has done our testing and Accenture has done some of the business process design. So you have to complement your team with what's missing and you have to put together a whole plan that makes sense. And one other thing I wanna talk about is it's important early on to identify what are your uphill changes would be? What are the things you're gonna struggle with? And put together mitigating plans very early on, what that would look like, and how can you prevent some of that from happening? So 
planning for uphill changes, educating your team and educating entire organization what this journey would look like was a very important element of success. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with uh, you more on that, uh, Rita. I think uh, these are not one-off projects. When you're embarking on transformation, uh, you need everybody's support, and that's why aligning around a common goal, but then not educating people on one-off initiatives, but really investing in continuous education and picking the right partners. Uh, I think all the things that you talked about uh, certainly are relevant. Uh, as you look back uh, at what you already achieved, uh, but sort of look to the future, what are you most excited about? What is next for Reynolds? So I'll tell you what we've done with IPL and taking our company public, created Digital Core. And I always had it, I, I always had a dream, how do I modernize the core? How do I throw away all this old garbage that we had, all this technical debt? And now I had this amazing opportunity to recreate the whole core. So now that I have a modern digital core, I can do so much more. And I want to describe to you the four pillars of digitizing our company. The first pillar is modernizing our core, and we'll, we'll continue doing it. It's not, a John, it's not a job well done yet. We'll continue um, advancing capabilities in supply chain, in, in finance, in procurement. That's all, that's, that's all going. But then we were able to create three new pillars, digitizing customer experience, creating intelligent factory, and digital workforce. So digitizing customer experience, it's working in the new ways with our customers and our consumers on our products. It's a very exciting journey that will generate a new revenue streams. It's also going to enable a more flexible and a more agile way of how we work with each other. And in the consumer side, it's allowing us to go directly to consumer. The third pillar is intelligent factory. Intelligent factory, it's all about automating our lines. It's all about creating a digital experience in our factories. It's about predictive analytics. It's about predicting when the equipment fails. It's truly about speeding our lines and running them more efficiently. And the last pillar is about digital workforce. Um, it's not only about people able to work anywhere, anytime, which feels like we do anyway, uh, but it's also about implementing robotics to change repetitive processes, to completely automate and eliminate complexity of repetitive processes so people can really do more analytics and more advanced work. And also, digital workforce is about creating new ways to run the company um, through AI, through data science, through a lot of other advanced capabilities that uh, we're experiencing right now in the technology world. So what Digital Core gave me is the ability to speed things up significantly in all the other areas of the business 
whether I'm interacting with consumers differently, whether I am looking at how am I going to predict maintenance or how am I going to run my factories better, or what am I going to do in the offices and how am I use the human workforce in the best way possible. That sounds like uh, creating this platform to springboard the agility uh, is going to create many exciting opportunities uh, for Reynolds. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear more about uh, what you and Reynolds do together uh, as we go forward. Uh, some of those things that you describe, Rita, are so relevant to every industry and a lot of executives that are listening in. Uh, what will be sort of your top three advice or recommendation for your peers uh, who are either starting out uh, in their journey or are at a, at, a, at a fork in the road where they have to make a decision and choose a path? What will be your advice? So I'll start by saying we're living in a crazy but also amazing times. Think about this is the time of imposed digital transformation. I mean, with everything, yes, COVID is horrible times, but everybody's working digitally and every, everybody's thinking about new ways of doing things. So it is the best time to put together a true digital strategy for the enterprise and link it with the business goals. Yes, I had a burning platform, but if I wouldn't have a burning platform, I think now we have a perfect burning platform. We have what I call imposed digital transformation on the industry. That's my number one advice. Number two advice, educate organization, educate C-suite, get, get an alignment of stakeholders, create relationships across the enterprise. Digital transformation cannot be done by one function. It cannot be done by one team. It has to be done across the enterprise. Innovation and business transformation spans all functions across any company, small, big, large. The third one is become a leader of this journey. And not just a technology leader, but a business leader. Take on a bigger definition of the team. Take on the, take on the whole company as your team because only then you can inspire, you can motivate, and you can deliver your message in the best possible way. And the last one is be bold. And I'll tell you why, because a lot of people question whether technology is there. Technology is there, I guarantee you. Look at the capabilities of AWS and what we were able to, to accomplish in just a year and a half. We stood up entire infrastructure, all business applications, entire team from scratch for $3.5 billion company. So it's possible technology is there. It's really about your leadership. Be bold. The best quote I can give is the best way to predict the future is to create it. Believe in magic you have in yourself. If you have the guts to become that bold of a leader for a company, then digital transformation is very possible. Rita, that is fantastic, uh, very inspiring, and, and very relevant advice. Uh, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. 
and sharing your journey, lessons learned, as well as advice uh, with our executives. Thank you so much.